0: This is Brittany North. I am here today interviewing with Abby, and Abby is the owner of a really awesome business that used to be in Wyoming. Now they're recently located. We'll talk more about that later, but her business is called Call the Wild. And I think it is the best name, Abby, Call the Wild is spelt W-Y-L-D, like Wyoming. I think that's so clever. I love it. Um, So thanks for being here on the show. And let, let's talk about sled dogs. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Like, how did you get into dogs? Like, did you grow up with sled dogs? How did you stumble upon the mushing world? What does all of that look like?
1: thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm super excited to get to talk to you and uh, about sled dogs because that's basically my whole life now. (laughs) um,
0: um,
1: I feel like I have so much practice with this story just because I do run a tour business and I have to answer this every day. And then I feel like I have a different answer every time. But basically, I grew up in Michigan, and I knew about sled dogs. My grandma had a neighbor at one point who ran the Iditarod. And I just remember thinking as a little kid how cool that would be. Um, And then, you know, as you get older, you're like, oh, I I can't do that because I didn't grow up in it. Or, oh, I can't do that because I only had cats growing up. I never had dogs and all these little things. And there were always parts of my life where sled dogs were still incorporated. Um, Like when I went to college in Marquette, Michigan, the UP 200. I went to all four years of the ceremonial start there. Um, And just little things. But it wasn't until I moved out to Wyoming. um, So I moved out to Jackson Hole, Wyoming after college. And I I knew about the tour businesses out here. Um, I just didn't really, I still had no idea how to get involved, and I moved away for the summer. I was in the middle of um, St. George at the time, and it was hot there in the summer, and I think I had a little bit of a mental breakdown because <laughs> <laughs> I, I hated the job I was working. Like, it was top of the tier for the back or um, outdoor community. Like, it was an amazing job. I I felt so broken in it, and I didn't... Mm. Feel like I belonged, and so I was mm-hmm. watching the documentary *The Great Alone* by Lance Mackey.
0: And- oh my God, that yeah, is the—that's <laughs> the documentary that got me going. Oh my God, yeah, shut I, up! I, I, <laughs>
1: man it's for people who—I <laughs> don't know—I I have noticed this with a lot of dog people, but specifically dog mushers, <gasps> specifically like younger dog mushers, there is just this theme of feeling like so hopeless and then and then you see this documentary or then you get a sled dog and you know it's just so i drove back to jackson wyoming i showed up at this guy's ranch and i just begged for a job i was like i want to do this i know this is
0: something i'm going to like i just basically i needed to find myself again yeah um,
1: and so i started mushing in wyoming and that's kind of how i got
0: involved in it wow it it's just crazy. Like, you're the first person I've ever heard say that that is the documentary that got you going. And I I shouldn't say that's the documentary that got me going too. like it kind of was. Like when my husband and I first met, I remember we were watching it together. And he's like, this is so cool. I'm gonna run the rod I'm gonna do this. <laughs> and I, and we had just met and I'm like, this guy's nuts. Yeah, this, yeah. this is weird. Like, what have I got myself into? I'm like, is it too late to leave? <laughs> and, and that really didn't turn into anything. And And then once we got our first, our first sled dog, then it was me. I was the one that was like, it's all downhill from here. It's all sled dogs from here. So that's so funny reference that, that documentary. Um, So you go and you work at this ranch. Were you doing tours there? How long did you work there until you branched out on your own? Yeah. So I
1: feel like in like hindsight, I have a bit of a funny story just where I ended up, but Um, I worked, uh, so it was, uh, out of a mountain lodge and I did tours and I loved it, but I actually started, um, I thought I was being hired as a guide, but I learned very quickly that I was actually hired to not just help with the office, but run the entire thing. Oh God, Um, (laughs) no big deal. Yeah. My experience was basically running an entire operation. And, like, having no experience doing this either. Like, I was starting – like, I just – I had no idea what I was doing. Luckily, you know, the stakes were pretty low, so I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. And as long as, you know, trips went out, like, that was the only thing that mattered. But that was eye-opening for me, like, getting the calls, talking to the clientele, and then, like, trying to organize transportation and, uh, you know, all these concierge from hotels. Like, it was – so much and i was in a very remote part of wyoming Mm. um, and then i just i knew i wanted to guide like i there was just this fire in me that like and so i just i had to beg to be trained because no no like guide especially the guides that i was working with were like very well seasoned like they did not want to like you know, use their free time to train
0: <laughs> me. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I'm so lucky because they did, um, and they gave me like really, really good advice, and definitely put me through the ringer. But that was my first season. That was like Wyoming's snowiest winter ever, um, and I didn't know if I was gonna continue dog mushing, but like it kind of felt like the natural course. So then I went up to Alaska and I worked at the um, dryland camp in Skagway.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I just did that for one
1: summer. Um, Again, like, I'm kind of, <laughs> I say it out loud, the isolation that some mushing jobs, like, offer yep. is great for a lot of people. It's um, intense. It, it, yeah, it just, it honestly, like, for the place I was in my life, it wasn't a the environment yep yeah um so i met my manager becky uh becky hacker she owns dream big kennel and i just remember when i met her i was like that's who i want to be when i grow up
0: (laughs) Mm, i love that she's so awesome amazing
1: i just love her to absolute pieces she i she knows because i tell her all the time
0: but she (laughs) like
1: saved my life because I was just in such a rock bottom place and I had made some like fairly poor decisions up there and I just, she never once judged me for any of it. She just, you know, picked me back up and said, all right, go do your job. Like, you know, it was just, it was nice to have someone who still like knew i was capable even though i was like kind of messing my life up um and then on top of that she gave me my first sled dog electra and electra was not a good sled dog um so like there is a reason it's not like she was like oh here's this like super good dog but she definitely knew i needed some source of um, stability and i have to attribute like all of this to electra because i don't think i would have stayed in mushing if it wouldn't have been for her being, like, such a, her- like, a terrible house pet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's always that one dog, though, that just, like, that that keeps you in it in the beginning and, like, just doesn't let you give up. Oh, yeah, and it's, like,
1: ironic because, honestly, like, Since I started the business, like, all of my guys, like, joke about how bad she is. Yeah. (laughs) She truly is, like, the only reason that all of this started. And so I actually tried to step away from mushing when I got her because, again, like, I just was in this, like, downward spiral of my life, to be completely honest. Yeah. Yeah such in a bad place and it was funny because I was actually supposed to move back to Michigan and live with my parents after Alaska because I was like so lost and I just like didn't know what to do and I had said yes to getting electra and my parents were like no you can't move back with the dog and so I was like well I guess I'm not going to move back then (laughs) like I think they thought that maybe I would not get the dog like if that were the case and I had already committed to the dog like I just was like well I have to make this work. And so I went back to Wyoming because that's where I knew and felt comfortable. And um, I did snowmobile guiding or snow coach guiding, I guess, uh, for one winter and then ATV guiding for a summer. And Electra was an absolute nightmare. During <laughs> the, like, And it's not her fault. She was like yeah. a young husky. Like, What yeah. did I expect? Um, and I'm so grateful because my job was like so understanding with her and you know like all of my friends there helped watch her when i was working like i i had such a good support system for her and i ended up finding like another dog musher who was willing to board her for like two months and like it was best case scenario like i i truly had a village yeah (laughs) Um, but then after that like i was like okay i like really have to go do dog mushing again and the closest place that i could find that would hire me um just because it was like last minute uh was a racer Chris Atkins up in Montana um, as his handler, and um, that was awesome. Like I didn't, it didn't pay very well. Like no handler does job. Done. Oh, you got I, paid. I, I know that's the favorite. Like I would say, as far as handlers go, I got paid well. Like oh, good. I, I had my own private room. Like I, it was, it was like cushy. Um, <laughs> so I can't complain at all. But um, yeah. So I learned, I learned so much from Chris. Like that was a really good experience for me um because he like often i was the person left behind when he went racing sure and i think i really needed that and that was like kind of the final piece for me to be like okay i really want to do this on my own and i know now that i can successfully take care of 40 dogs on my own like so that was kind of yeah, that I mean, I did that, and it was that next summer that my boyfriend, husband now, but boyfriend at the time, was like, you know. And I forgot to tell you, in the middle of all of this stuff happening, I actually tried to buy the business that I started
0: at. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and it, our investor backed out, and then oh, the no. other person tried to
1: invest with us, and I had a weird feeling, so I backed out, and I found out some awful things about that person, so it ended up working out for the best that it all fell through. Uh, but yeah, it was it like, that was kind of nuts. And so it was that next summer that my, you know, husband uh, was like, you know, if you're going to do this, we just got to like jump all in. And that's crazy for someone who's not into dog mushing to say.
0: Yeah. It, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I feel like we have so many connections right now because I, uh... I've always worked in corporate health care and like straight out of college, and in two thousand and eighteen, I had this uh job at Children's Hospital. It was hands down one of the worst jobs I've ever had in my life. It was like so emotionally and verbally abusive and toxic. I would cry going to work. I'd cry coming home from work. Like it was just rock bottom. It was horrible. I had no confidence in any realm of my life about myself. And I was driving home one day. And, um, you know, we have dogs because of me. It's always been that way. And I call my husband just crying again and he's like you know what you need to quit and I just laugh it off and he's like no seriously and I'm like okay if I quit what am I supposed to do and he's like dogs it was like a one-word answer and he just says dogs and I'm like what the heck does that mean and he's like you're really good with dogs just do something with dogs and like for like you said, like someone who's not, you know, a dog person, like a crazy dog person, like we are to say, hey, like, this is what you need to do. You need to start a business. Like, I mean, good on these guys. We we got some good guys. <laughs> okay, for sure. I mean, I think it does. I mean, like,
1: I would, yeah, I mean, I would say that that does say a lot about the type of people we are, too, though, that we, I I think you're very similar to me as when you're passionate about something, it is something that is impossible to
0: hide. Mm, totally. Mm-hmm. So, that's amazing. I love all the similarities. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I, I yeah. I don't know and it's funny because now my husband is
0: like totally invested like, <laughs> husband, like, yeah. from, like from day one <laughs> and even before
1: that like he was part of that support system that like really helped me keep electra
0: yeah i love that <laughs>
1: like, oh my gosh it's just it's been it's been wild
0: like sure. Electra sounds like my panda like i got panda when i was 21 and like My husband and I hadn't been together very long (laughs) and then we get this damn dog and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about dogs. Like I grew up with a dog, but it doesn't mean I know anything and she was nuts. She was absolutely crazy and we just didn't know any better, you know, and my husband would literally bring her to work every day because she would destroy the house and like, we just didn't know what to do with her. So he brought her to work every single day for, oh my God, probably over a year. (laughs) So I get it. I get it. it. and like luckily he
1: had his own shop. but I would get calls during the day and he would just be freaking out like Electra's in my neighbor's house like I can't get her
0: out. Oh my god Abby stop it like (laughs) Teddy my my husband's name's Teddy he's not a dog I promise but he used to landscape and he'd bring Panda and (laughs) what This is crazy. Like one day him and his crew are working on this landscaping project in someone's backyard and the yard's fenced in. So he's like, okay, I'm just going to let her run free in the yard. Cause usually he would tie her up to a tree next to like the job site. So he's letting this, this crazy ass puppy run around. And then he, he looks up and he's freaking out and he's like, Oh my God. Where's Panda? Can't find her, can't find her. Panic, right? And then he realizes the customer had a dog door. And the customer's not home. All the doors are locked, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And he's he said he stuck his head in the dog door, and he's like, "Panda, panda!" and calling and yelling for her, and like, "Thank God she came back!" and he was able to get her out of the dog door. Oh my gosh, that sounds exactly like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they are somehow related. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. So so when you started your your own business, um, what do you think was like the most helpful to get your business off the ground and going? I it it was probably super helpful that you had all this experience of of running that that tour kennel, essentially on your own. Yeah, I I feel like I genuinely feel like everything happens for a reason 100% believer in that so it felt
1: like every part of my life somehow just came together so the like running that tour business taking care of the 40 dogs and that other sled kennel and then I also worked different like jobs like front desk jobs in Jackson and between all of this so I had this like crazy network of all of the concierge and the you know community mm. the, you know the visitor center and so I knew the people at the chamber of commerce and like all of these people that when they found out I was doing this like I didn't even have to advertise because they were so ready
0: to wow support me.
1: like it so I would say that was be like the most helpful thing was just um getting to know the area that you're looking to be in. Like mm. that was like beyond because like obviously I had three seasons of running dogs under my belt. Like I honestly did have people in my life like that I you know knew that. I mean I heard through the grapevine that they just were saying like oh you're not like a real dog musher or like oh god. Exactly. Saying like I wasn't gonna be successful because I didn't know that much about sled dogs and like at the end of the day, like I kinda just figured, well they're my dogs, it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah, like I think that's such bullshit when people say stuff like that. Like when I was handling at a kennel in Alaska, like I felt like everyone was so helpful and like willing to help you learn and like just open to teaching. And it was like really weird when I came home to Minnesota. Um Like I struggled for like two years, like just trying to connect with the mushing community and trying to just network with people and mushers here. And I just felt like everyone was so closed off that I was trying to reach out to and <clears throat> excuse me. It's like you said, you just kind of have to know the community, and it, I I felt so defeated. I'm like, no, you just got to keep sticking your neck out there and putting your face in front of everyone everyone's face. And and now I feel like, after just doing that over and over and like not giving up, that I finally have a really great network of like of mushers that I know that I can ask questions to and ask for guidance and mentorship and yeah it's it's just all about getting your face out there and and getting to know those who are around you and in, even if people say you know like crappy stuff that you're not a real musher like okay then what is a real musher and who who wrote the rules like come on <laughs> yeah and like i think you could even just like pinpoint the type of people that say this kind of stuff yeah shocking to me but like i don't know i it
1: definitely um it did bother me at first but it was just i don't know i mean it's something that you kind of just have to brush off because at the end of the day it was like well it doesn't really matter because i have my own dog so i think i'm a dog musher so 100
0: percent. what else would you call it (laughs) it was yeah
1: so that was kind of interesting but yeah that. That was helpful. Um, Teton County is, like, kind of, that's, like, another thing that I would say anyone looking to do, like, tours or start a business is um, learning the, like, regulations of the Mm -hmm. area. Um, Mm -hmm. I was fortunate (laughs) enough to work with a private ranch, so basically I looked at a land ownership map of Teton County and I started cold calling people because there's a lot of open space out here and a lot of people that have, like, land just to have land and they don't even live here so i was like okay someone has to let me run on their land and i ended up working with this amazing ranch it's like the largest landowner in teton county they're incredible they've been like so kind to me um but like i'm right at the base of the ski resort so like i got i I like to say lucky but honestly i did put
0: a lot of work well yeah i mean you said cold calling like i i you and i are just so similar like We're just so tenacious. Like, if you want to make something work, you're gonna do the hard work to make it work. Like, yeah,
1: I've always been the type of person that's like, okay, like if I want to do something or if I want something to happen, like it, like I'm gonna make it happen. Like, there has to be a way, and it's definitely gotten me like, it's not always worked out in my favor. Right. This case, it did, and it was so funny because my like proposal for the like I can only imagine. To to people like, you know, you and me, it sounds totally normal, just give me a piece of land, I'll live in a wall tent, like, with the dogs, no (laughs) big deal, right? And they were laughing, like, it was, like, her name was Barbara, and, like, the ranch manager, Kurt, were my people who were interviewing me for this, and they were just like, we just need to address something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we can't have you living in a tent we need you to have some kind of housing <laughs> oh my god yeah, I was like cracking up like, and now thinking about like how crazy I must have sounded but it was just the right time I think there has always been this need and Teton County specifically for another dog mushing company. The two that operate here both operate with like an hour, 40 to forty minutes to an hour commute to get to them. Um, and when I worked for that guy, I just knew that there was a huge market for people who wanted a shorter tour, like people with families who, I mean, we, we cater to a certain clientele in Jackson yeah. or any ski town. Like they are, you know, wealthy people and they, they want to ski they want to like eat good food they want to drink and they want to do it all in one day
0: <laughs> yeah yeah they want to like fill their schedule
1: I, yeah so that's kind of where i landed um with like my business model was i just knew that i wanted to provide easy short fun tours for people that never would have ever thought about going on a dog sled ride but because it's literally steps from their hotel
0: they did I love that. That's so, like, convenient for you, too. Or at least it sounds like it, was it? Um, I would say yes and no.
1: I felt like there were a lot of logistical things, so I had to lease the land that I ran the chewers on. I had to lease a different piece of land to keep the dogs on because you can't keep them there at the ski resort where we're at. Sure. And then I had to lease the building for the office that was separate from the
0: <laughs> – Good Lord. <laughs> like,
1: it, I mean, and this area, I mean, it's just lands expensive.
0: So yeah. like,
1: I'm, again, very grateful because the ranch I worked with understood that I was a new business, that I was not some millionaire coming in. And so they, they really helped me out my first year and didn't charge me very much. And then once they it proved to be successful, then, you know, they. Sure. Accordingly. But it was just so nice that they even gave me a chance. Right, like, right. Yeah, but that was yeah i mean i would say because there's been other people that have tried to do it like in the past where i was um i think a lot of dog mushers like to run out of their kennel and that's totally fair that would be the dream um
0: yeah
1: (laughs) especially in the lower 48 it is becoming so difficult to find properties that you can do that and that kind of goes back to the land regulation aspect of things is like so we're surrounded by like millions of acres of public land here and I've reached out to the Forest Service out here multiple times trying to get permits and they just will not give people permits like to run on land. And it even even if they would, half of it's critical game area. So Mm. you can't do anything on it in the winter anyway. And there's so like there's just a lot of rules depending on where you are. So that's just thing that we didn't expect and I'm like grateful to be running on private land so I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff but um yeah it's definitely a hurdle that a lot of people don't always think about you think like oh I can just like go run on any trail that's public but you, there's a lot of like
0: permitting that you actually have to go through yeah like it can be quite the shit show i mean <laughs> when i i started looking for property in 2019 and it didn't work out. And then I remember at the end of 2019, on New Year's Eve, I said to myself, 2020 is going to be my year. <laughs> yeah, fucking right. <laughs> but then COVID happened. Um Then the world ended. Um But, like, I, I yeah, it took a little over three years for me to find a property that we'll be able to run dogs out of and I remember reaching out to you uh, probably two years ago uh, and I'm like how did you do it I remember like messaging you and I was just like I was at a low and I was just desperate and I'm asking everybody I do
1: remember you reaching out and it's so funny because it feels like so long ago.
0: Yeah. I, prob- I just
1: like was probably so naive back then.
0: Yeah, I just I think you said like the property that you were on was like uh wasn't it your like your grandma's or something like that. Hmm.
1: But now I'm trying to think. Uh, no, because my family's all from Michigan.
0: Oh, that's um, right. It could have been. I'm trying to think. Cause, oh um. I know what you're talking about. So we own an acre of property over in a town called Dubois. Yes, um, yeah. And yeah, my um Michael's my husband's grandma uh helped us purchase that. Gotcha. So yeah. we
1: we're at, and yeah, we actually just finished our cabin last year. Um, just in time for us to realize that that property was too small for us. Oh,
0: great. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: That was kind of it was kind of bittersweet and then the goal was always to find this year-round place in Jackson and again I don't know how much you know if anyone doesn't know about Jackson the there's two jokes about Jackson the first one is that you either have to work three jobs or own three businesses to live here mm-hmm <laughs> and the second one is that the billionaires are pushing the millionaires out
0: oh my so, god that's so bad
1: any like indication of what it's like the housing market like if you just want to laugh just go on there Uh honestly surreal the types of properties that we were considering and like trying to get financed for and I think we actually did close or um we were under contract for a property the one that we ended up leasing for this winter and we didn't even Close on the property like we weren't even financed yet and our neighbors tried to sue us
0: <laughs> shut the fuck up
1: like it was <laughs> wild i honestly still like i'm still like having a hard time processing that it was real what we went through this winter
0: because oh my god
1: the best winter as far as business goes but like personally like with this pro i don't know it was so crazy like we were in a part of the town that was has always been like an older part of the town and like we weren't even in town like we were out in the boonies and like it was we couldn't see our neighbors it was on 20 acres it was it butted up to forest service so we were like yes yeah, sweet like this is the perfect place right and but we have to house our employees because you know, rent here is 2100 mm-hmm. for a studio apartment, and I can't ask people to pay that, so I'm like, okay, cool, like, you guys can all cram into the cabin, that's fine, Um, and that was, like, the end of the world for our
0: neighbors, and... Whatever, who cares? Yeah, like, I'm like, okay, like, it, it
1: was, I don't know, it was so dumb, and they knew that they didn't, I don't know if they knew this, but... They did. They totally did. They spent a lot of money on lawyers um, <laughs> to get oh, us on. Oh, but,
0: my God. Um,
1: yeah, they basically, all they had to do was threaten to sue us because then our banking was like, ooh, we're out.
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Oh, my gosh. It was like an absolute nightmare. And we we ended up learning like throughout this process that the Forest Service that we butted up to, that was all critical game. So we would never have been able to use it anyway. So.
0: Wow, we, you dodged a bullet. Yeah, it was cr- like i think we would have made it
1: work i i don't know i think like i i obviously didn't work out for a reason it was a beautiful property and like it was so heartbreaking when like just the way that it happened yeah
0: that's intense
1: well my husband's like fifth
0: generation jackson like he's the last family to be in town and like it was
1: just like all levels of bittersweet like having Mm. to like let go of that but then this property so we're just over Teton Pass so we're like 40 minutes from Jackson so we're not actually that far away um, this property came uh, it been on the market for a little bit but we hadn't really considered the side of Idaho just because of driving over Teton Pass every day seemed daunting mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, our friend um, who actually gave us one of our Greenland Huskies, he's like, hey, have you guys, like, looked at this? This kind of seems like it might be a good fit for you. And, yeah, it doesn't back up to any public land, but it's seven acres. It literally has a kennel
0: facility on it. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. I was like, oh, my God, you are so lucky. <laughs> it Honestly,
1: and, like, it has a shop in my husband's mechanic, So, like – What over And, like, that was, like, another thing of this year is – You know, he ended up giving up his lease on his shop because it was just so expensive in Jackson, and we felt kind of weird about that. And then, I don't know, it all, just like the business, when it started, it kind of, all the experiences came together. It felt like everything, as much as it could, came together with this property. And, like, we have the dogs here. We've been here a little over two weeks now. I'm actually, like, sitting next to, like, six of my old dogs right now the and <laughs> so they've been remarkably quiet <laughs> good
0: yeah <laughs>
1: um, but they they've adjusted so well like I was nervous how they would adjust to living in indoor outdoor kennels and they've been totally fine and they get to run and play every day and I don't know it's it's been so amazing and we'll see like what the winters look like we're still gonna run tours in wyoming like at the base of the ski resort um we're hoping to branch into idaho as well oh wow but um yeah i it's it's been it's been a journey no kidding i think that's like what yeah i would say like my my biggest piece of advice for anyone trying to go through anything dog related is like it's gonna be
0: hard yeah
1: and you just kind of have to put your head down and keep going because
0: it'll work out right if you keep working hard right like just put your head down and be a sled dog like just keep going <laughs> so how are you still going to run tours are you going to just truck dogs back and forth every day i feel like that'd be a really long day
1: yeah so actually that's what we've been doing from the start because where we kept our dogs for the first three years of our business um we they're all barking oh (laughs) (laughs) that's okay um I'm like just gonna shut some of these kennel doors because it's not my dog. So the um no grizzly come back. Okay, <laughs> going to go outside now. Um yeah the owners or the sellers are still on property. Um just because it was such a fast turnaround that we um were like as long as we can live in the tiny house and have our dogs in the kennel like we don't care. Yeah. Um, Which has actually been kind of nice because I feel like we've gotten like so much wisdom from them that Mm. we wouldn't have gotten otherwise, Uh, but when we started, so we were living, we were leasing a ranch from Snake River Ranches, who we work with, and they um, provided us with like this really cool ranch that had a couple buildings for employee housing, um, a really cool area to put our dogs in and uh create like a big dog yard and we were about 30 minutes away from where we ran tours uh at that place so we've always been trucking the dogs it's just been in various forms so the first two years we had a dog box and a dog truck and then last year we finalized our like enclosed trailer which was
0: amazing nice oh my god i i bet that just felt like luxury compared to a dog box
1: for yes (laughs) my, my back did not like spasm every week because of it like i don't know it was crazy it was so nice but the thing about teton pass and what we're gonna have to end up going over that's the one downside On top of it just being kind of a sketchy road is uh, that they don't allow trailers over it in the winter, which is fairly
0: understandable, but we're going to go back to dog boxes, which is fine. (laughs) Yeah, right. Give and take. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the thing
1: that I think – I just think that land is so hard to come by, especially especially if you're – so, like, that's one thing is, like, if you're going to go run – you know, in the middle of nowhere, you don't have to worry about this as much. You can probably run out of your land. And if you're going to have a very small operation, then maybe you don't have to run as many tours. And you can like, but like for what we do, we have to run, you know, I mean, we have so many dogs. Like we do have to run a certain amount of tours. And Jackson, like at the end of the day, there's just no place we can make the money that we do. Right. Sorry, I'm listening to my dogs right now. and They're like, I have some yearlings and they're just
0: nuts. Cray cray.
1: Yeah, but that's the thing is like, I mean, you kind of have to, it's worth it for us because we're dealing with a very specific type of clientele. And for sure. they're like, what we can charge allows us to purchase a place like this that we right. wouldn't have
0: been able to consider otherwise. Right. So given that you guys do tours how do you um in terms of training what does that look like because I, I don't think people always know that that maybe sometimes training is different between like a race kennel and a tour kennel and but then there's times where it's very similar so what does like training and and your off season look like for you guys yeah um I don't have a ton of race experience, so I can only speak to, like, the one season that I worked with race dogs. Sure. Um, And that was very much like
1: a narrowing down process where Mm. you start with a lot and you end with a little. And with tour dogs, it's, for my experience, it's really different for at least how we run ours um, because we put a lot of emphasis on – getting all of the dogs ran regardless of whether they're good or not and then where we limit and where it maybe gets fewer is knowing that our younger dogs just need more exercise than the older dogs so it has nothing to do with like how good of a sled dog they are it has everything to do with like their physical limitations um so that's where i would say it's different and we start fall training Last year we started like right at the end of August because it got really cold up in the mountains. Nice. And it was amazing. Um, yeah. There for that. And um, yeah, I mean, we honestly, it, a lot of the emphasis just because we are running on a trail and we're on a private trail, so we don't have to have like the same trail etiquette and we're not racing, so these dogs are not going to go to a trail where they're going to be, you know, have to know a certain thing so we literally can just get them the exercise i still try to work on the g and haw commands and like you know keep it interesting for them because yeah. dogs they're gonna get bored but there's a lot less pressure on our end um which is kind of nice yeah and yeah and then we as soon as there's enough snow i mean honestly i feel like we're, <laughs> we're kind of lucky with where we run our tours because the trail's so flat that like and it, and it starts and ends in the same place. Like we can put a bunch of different twists and turns in, but it's kind of nice because we can start a lot earlier than I think most people can. Because I don't technically have to wait until you can set a snow hook. I just have to wait until like you can reasonably slow them down with a break.
0: Mm.
1: So that's kind of fun. Um, I feel like our season like is longer because of that, um, which is nice. And then yeah, during the summers, I mean up until this point it's just been an emphasis like we've set up one play yard and we i i really do believe that do, like sled dogs you know need that socialization right but granted like the dogs we have I, you know i am getting like a bunch of misfit dogs like we have
0: i love dogs. that though i i love <laughs> seeing every dog that you add because every time i'm like huh all right what is this My dog God. story <laughs> i mean <that's laughs> Like any specific type of dog, yeah. We
1: have fallen in love with the Seppala Siberians, and I love my Greenland Huskies. Like, I don't. We, yeah. I mean, I love all of these different kinds of dogs, but at the end of the day, like, it's all circumstantial of which ones we get, yeah. But you know, they're all here for a different reason. But I would say there's a reason all of them were given away. Is all I can say. (laughs) they're kind of goofballs they remind me of myself in a lot of ways because you know they like to work but at the end of the day like they also kind of like to hang out and play and so that's like the best part of the summer for me is let it like formulating these play groups for them and watching them differently from a working aspect where they're a lot more serious is to like actually watch them play and some of them you learn like toys and some of them somehow know how to fetch. Anna. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's really fun to see them in that type of atmosphere and give them the opportunity to not be so serious.
0: Mm. Uh, Let them be a dog and not just, you know, push into DNA and, and only be in work mode.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I do have, like I, one of Becky's dogs that she gave me her name's finger, like she, refuses to go into the play yard she she does not understand why we are not running mm. right now. Mm-hmm. So, there's definitely dogs out there that like probably wouldn't enjoy this as much but we don't typically get those kinds of dogs because they are racing and we're just not a racing kennel um but yes yeah, so, and then i purchased some paddle boards last year and so
0: that's been a fun thing that we. isn't that so fun i love that
1: amazing like it's some of the dogs absolutely hate it so i'm not going to sit here and say like oh all huskies should do this because some of our dogs i will never put them on a paddle board again but it's just such a good way for them to like work on their core skills or just Mm -hmm. like really mix up their day um and that's something that has really been like uh like me and my husband have both agreed is that like we i mean you know and dog mushing is what it is um i think there are ways that it's changing and there's some ways that like we totally understand why it is. And, you know, summertime is when dogs just don't, that's their off season. Right. But Mm -hmm. we are really passionate about like still giving them like these new experiences in the summer. I love that. Not just letting them like sit around because honestly, as much as they like sunbathing, like, you know, they still like to do
0: things. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let me ask you this, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep handlers around. So I, I'd love to put in a plug for you and your business. Um, if you needed handlers and someone wanted to, you know, get into mushing uh, like we did in our early days, um, how can someone reach out to you guys and maybe learn more or heck, maybe even handle for you?
1: Yeah um that's one exciting thing um that is with the purchase of this new property is just the fact that we are now We've added another aspect of our business um, that is now boarding dogs. So on top of our own sled dogs, um, we have the opportunity to grow as far as employees during the summer, which is super exciting. And then during the winter, um, we always have at least one handler position. But I'm trying to add a second handler position, which is specifically for people who do not have maybe they have some animal experience, but um, that don't have like guide mushing experience. So I really do – I, like, want to get people a foot in the door um, with that type of position, and it is a position where I understand that, like, it's hard because when you hire those people, like, it truly is, like, you're giving them a block, and they might stay with you, and they totally might go do something completely different, (laughs) but at least least they have, like – that building block. But if they want to reach out, our um, email is info at call of the wild spelled W Y L D dot com. And we I have one, uh, my office manager is year round. So she's always checking our email. Um, And yeah, just express interest. And if we have openings, we'll send them, you know, an application. And we are always advertising when we do have jobs on our social media. So you know that's my plug if you want to go
0: follow us yeah yeah (laughs) well so i was gonna ask that next like how how can we as listeners like how can we support you like what what's your website what's your instagram you and your tiktok your tiktok is awesome um and and Uh, how can people support you like if they want to come out and do a tour or maybe someone can't come out and do a tour I know you do t-shirts sometimes so how can how can we support call the wild I love that Um, I think the
1: best way that people can support our business is through our social media so all of our handles are call of the wild spelled w-y-l-d except our instagram which is wild sled dogs um, but that's the best way, and we advertise like different things on there, like we do have a merch store on our website and all that stuff, but truly, like the thing that supports us the most is like more people follow not necessarily the follower account on uh social media, but just more people sharing the information so that's yeah. the thing that I think is the most important is seeing what our company does and if you agree with it and you think it's something that you want us to continue sharing it with the world so that this is kind of where the standards are set
0: yeah and i'm really hoping you know for my business too and other mushers like i'm really hoping the more that we can share what we do that Maybe in the future, it won't be so hard to get property. It won't be so hard to get permits. Like, I just hope that even if it's racing or a tour kennel that, you know, maybe things will become a little bit easier for us to do what we're trying to share with everybody else, you know? Um, so to wrap things up, I want to end on a silly question. Okay. <laughs> what is the weirdest question a guest has ever asked? <laughs>
1: I feel like I almost try to block these out. Yeah, yeah. I I, like this is such a guide (laughs) answer and like I'm so sorry in advance for saying this, but I genuinely try to like understand where people are coming from and understand that like our guests have Zero clue what they're talking about. Yeah, so when they you don't know. Stupid questions. I try really hard to just rephrase it and not make them feel stupid for asking it. Um, I mean, definitely out here, uh, people. It's not really a stupid question because they just don't know. But people right. ask us all the time if they're gonna see wildlife on our tours. Oh. And I'm just like listening to my dogs as they're just going absolutely berserk in the background, <laughs> and I'm like. No, we're not going <laughs> to see wildlife. wild <life> no. today. <laughs> like, in I the nicest know, way, like, no. No. And the worst part is, is sometimes, like, okay, we, like, cross a creek, and, like, we're in, like, a touristy area, like, you know, th- this is not your wildlife scene. But, like, <laughs> this is, like, the most... This is the Midwest to be coming out, just trying to find the positive. And yeah. sometimes we cross a creek and ducks fly out of it. And I always <laughs> joke, like, there's our wildlife, and no one is ever impressed with
0: that. <laughs> oh my no. God. That's really funny. Well,. <laughs> Abby, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I'll be sure to add all of your social media ads and the link to your website in the show notes so that everyone can follow you and support you. And I'm so excited where your business is headed. And I'm so proud of you for working so hard and just doing so many great things for this sport. So I, I, myself, I can't, I still can't wait to come out your way and and visit sometime. Um, So again, thank you so much. And heck, maybe we'll have you on the show again here in the future.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. And come out anytime. We will always have a place for you.
0: Uh, <laughs> and we'll definitely mush some dogs together. I love it. Thank you, adventurers, for listening to this episode of the North Paw's Wilderness. If you have a dog diary story you'd like to be read on air or a suggestion of who to have as a guest, please email northpawspod, that's northpaws, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow us on social media. Until next time, happy trails, and tell your dog I said hi.